Well, our good friend David Matlow is with us live via telephone. David, of course, owns the world's largest private collection of Theodore Herzl memorabilia. I am staring, literally staring right now at a gift that David gave me when I was up in uh, Toronto, Canada to see his incredible collection. And I got to go back there. Once this whole COVID thing ends, we got to go back and reacquaint ourselves with David's collection. Anyway, the World Expo 2020 was delayed by the pandemic till 2021. It opened in Dubai last Friday. Israel was invited to participate and has a pavilion there. Israel and Zionism has been represented at World's Fairs for, what would you say, folks, 73 years? A little more, a little less? Believe it or not, for 125 years, way before the state. David has researched this fascinating story and through items in his collection of materials found in archives, he's prepared a program which is running tomorrow, Wednesday, October the 6th at 1 p.m. It's being done by the American Zionist Movement. Go to azm.org for information. The program is called Pavilions of Promise. Go to azm.org for information. David Matlow, what a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. It's great to be back. And you're welcome here in Toronto anytime, as soon as the border opens. Oh, you know how much we enjoyed our visit to your to your house museum, <laughs> and we can't wait to get back there. Uh, I'm literally, you know what I'm staring at? I'm staring at the image of Herzl, that, that, blue, that blue piece you gave me of him uh, staring at the Rhine. In fact, I need the Rhine. That's the one thing I need here, David. I need to, <laughs> <laughs> if I had the Rhine, it would be so much more of an authentic uh, uh, view that I have. But he's... He's literally in front of me, or the image of Herzl's in front of me, and I thank you for that. It's an image, frankly, as we've discussed, that people should always have in front of them, uh, not taking Zionism, the state of Israel, or what, we ha- what we've what we been blessed with uh, for granted. Simple as that. A lot of people don't even know what the World's Fair is. What's the World's Fair, and why would Israel slash Zionism be represented at a World's Fair way before the state was even founded? Well, it's a great question. World's Fairs have been happening since 1851. The uh, the first one was in London, England, the the Crystal Palace, and there have been World's Fairs held since then. In the early days, they were ways, industrial exhibitions, ways for people to see what was happening in the world, new technology, learning about different countries before television, before the Internet, um, various companies and countries came to a certain place. And the world was invited. The countries would be able to show off. The host country showed off or celebrated um, a milestone in their uh, country's history. And these were very, very prominent uh, world events that started in 1851 and have been running, obviously, till now, because there's a World's Fair that just started on Friday uh, in Dubai. Yeah, for those familiar with... For those familiar with the Consumer Electronics Show, <laughs> that's where they display. Uh, that's where they display and introduce to the world, you know, what's happening next in technology. The World's Fair, as you just described, was basically, you know, what's happening next in so many areas of life. And of course, again, with the internet, as you point out, and and the world being as small as it is now, it may not be as necessary. But there's still an excitement when the World's Fair kicks off, right? It is. For, for instance, this one in Dubai, it, it's massive. It's the first one in the Arab world. And even before the Abraham Accords, Israel was invited. Of course, the Abraham Accords, the peace, peace sure. treaty between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. And so it's really quite fascinating. There, there are 170 countries in the world. and I, I don't know, there may be 100 countries represented in Dubai, and Israel is there. It's fantastic. And that got me thinking, 
how long has Israel been represented at World Fairs? And you're, uh, there was an and, and, there was an expo in in uh, in Canada in 1967, and I went there as a six year old. Most Canadians went to celebrate our hundredth birthday, and there was an Israel pavilion there. But there were Israel and Palestine, Jewish Palestine and Palestine pavilions dating back to 1896. Yeah, I think that that's how the Montreal Expos got their name, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly and, correct. And on top of that, I believe that the, the World's Fair that my older siblings went to was actually in Queens, New York, at the World's Fair site that many people are familiar with. So this is not an unfamiliar concept to uh, to those of us in this area of the world. Now, is the Herzl Collection, is this a natural extension that you went ahead and started researching Zionism at the World's Fair? And how is it represented? Was it called Palestine before 1948? Was it called Zionism? How did it manifest itself before the state was around? Well, the connection to my Herzl Collection arose from that 1964 World's Fair that you just mentioned. Wow. There was an Israel pavilion on, on the at that fair, and on the wall, the outer wall, there was Herzl's quote, if you will, it, it is no dream. I bought that postcard and that started me down a journey to explore Herzl and Zionism at other World's Fairs. That very same site of the 64 Fair had a World's Fair in 1939. And it's at the 1939 Fair that there was a Jewish Palestine pavilion. And this was a joint venture between American Jewry Zionists and the Yishuv, Jews in Palestine, through a company called Mishar V'Tasya, uh, Trade and Commerce. And the idea was to essentially bring Palestine to Flushing. And uh, everything in that pavilion came from Eretz Israel. It was the second most popular pavilion at the fair, and it opened right uh, 10 days after the British passed the White paper yep. restricting immigration to Pal Jewish immigration to Palestine. And so this pavilion became a rallying point for the Jews of, of New York and for America and around the world. I mean, think but about what was going on in 1939 on this planet. It, it's unbelievable this was happening in, in New York, as you know, as, as you just uh, as you just mentioned, uh, between the uh, the white paper in, uh, in England and uh, obviously what was going on in Europe. It's unbelievable this was happening in New York. And the Second World War, September 1st, 1939, yeah. broke out in the middle of the fair. And so a visit to the Palestine, Jewish Palestine Pavilion, according to my reading, was a symbol of unity and also a protest against Nazism and obviously a plea for the rescue of European Jewry. All that wrapped up in the Jewish Palestine Pavilion at the World's Fair. Right here in New York. In New York. David Matlau is with us, world's largest Herzl collection. Tomorrow, he runs a program called Pavilions of Promise, sponsored by the American Zionist Movement. It's 1 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Go to azm.org slash pavilions dash of dash promise. azm.org slash pavilions dash of dash promise. Uh, 1 p.m. tomorrow, full presentation about all of this regarding Zionism. At the World's Fairs. Now you have uh, you, you you created a list for me uh, of different trivial facts that are interesting. Um, you indicate that there was actually a Yom Kippur service held in a mosque at the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago. 
That's correct. Chicago had a World's Fair in 1893. It was called the Columbian Exposition to celebrate the 400th anniversary of the Christopher Columbus's discovery of America, I guess, plus one year. And it took an extra year to build it. And in the fairs in the late 1800s, early 1900s, there were things called foreign villages. You couldn't see a movie about what it was like to live in Sudan or in Algeria. So um, they brought brought people from other uh, civilizations, exotic people, who actually lived on the fairgrounds and the fair grower could go and walk around this foreign village, some people called them human zoos, and see how people lived. And one of those villages was a Turkish village. At the time, Palestine was part of the Ottoman Empire, and the concessionaire who, or the two concessionaires who brought this to the World's Fair were Jewish, and so populated that this um, Turkish village primarily with Jewish people, there was a uh, form of, of a fake mosque on the property, and on Yom Kippur, the Jews who were living on the world's fairgrounds in the Turkish village had their own Yom Kippur <laughs> services in that mosque. Because I, I said to myself, I bet you there wasn't a mosque in Chicago, but I hear it was a makeshift mosque for the world's fair, which makes sense. That's then. correct. Uh, world's fair in 1904. Why was that interesting from a Jewish Zionistic perspective? Well, in 1904, St. Louis had a World's Fair to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Louisiana Purchase. And there were two things that were really interesting from a Jewish perspective. One, there was a 10-acre model of Jerusalem. And that was built as an attraction. You'd pay 25 cents and you could walk the streets of Jerusalem or go on a camel ride through Jerusalem. Donkeys and camels and residents of Jerusalem were brought um, to populate this um, Jerusalem model. It was actually built by Christian investors, just to give an example of what it was like in the holy city of Jerusalem with the Wailing Wall beside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, beside the Tower of David, beside the, the mosque. But secondly, from a Zionist perspective, and this is really a symbol of what happened afterwards, Zionists in the local host communities saw that the World's Fair was an opportunity to bring the story of Zionism the longing for a Jewish homeland before a world audience. And so a gentleman named Michael Stiffelman, who was a St. Louis Zionist, prevailed upon a journalist who prevailed upon the organizing committee of the World's Fair to fly the Zionist flag among the flags of the nations of the world at the World's Fair. And there is a quite a, a striking picture of the Zionist flag, which later became the flag of the State of Israel, Flying in 1904 beside the British flag and the American flag publicly, it's the first time that flag flew among the nations of the world. Um, previously, it would be at Zionist Congresses, parades, meetings, but not out in the public internationally. And this gave prominence and legitimacy to the Zionist dream. And that was a symbol, uh, it was the first of that kind of um, use of the World's Fair, which followed significantly and many times after that. Unbelievable. David Matlow is with us. uh, And uh, did we cover 1933 Chicago? No, 1933 was another fair, 40 years later in Chicago. And in that fair, there was a decision by the local Zionist organization led by a gentleman named Meyer Weisgal, who is the same person who 
uh, ran the pavilion in New York in 1939. At the time, his decision was not have a, p- a pavilion, but let's have a pageant, a giant spectacle, which was held on July 3rd, 1933 at Soldier Field, where the, where the Chicago Bears still play. And it was a, a play with thousands of people on the field, performers living out the history of, of the Jewish people from the time of Abraham through to the Chalutim, the pioneers um, in Eretz Israel at the time. 131,000 people were in the audience, including Chaim Weitzman, who was then a leading Zionist, and later the first president of the State of Israel. And it was, um, the purpose was to unify the Jewish community of Chicago and raise money to help rescue the Jews of Germany. Because even in 1933, um, people knew they, they needed help. This show uh, was sold out. There was a second performance on July 5th, and then it moved to New York, and it was going to be performed in September of 1933 in the Polo Grounds, but it was rained out and moved to be performed for a month in uh, an armory in northern uh, northern Manhattan. A million people um, came to see it during its one-month performance run in New York City. Um, again, using the World's Fair, using drama, spectacle, to help advance the cause of Zionism. Uh, what did you tell us? What year was the first time that Zionism was represented at the World's Fair? What year was it? And it was actually in 1896. There was a World's Fair in Berlin, so literally 125 years ago. And since and in Ber- yeah, go ahead. And, and since then, again, in the 30s, World's Fairs in 31, 33, 37, and back to New York in 39, had Palestine Pavilion. Unbelievable. So even before the state, there was plenty of representation at the World's Fair of Zionism in Palestine. I mean, you think about the era, the decade of the 1930s, imagine just how significant that was, what kind of boost of confidence, what kind of boost of enthusiasm it gave to Zionists and Jews around the world uh, to be part of celebrations like that during such a downtime, um, both in Palestine and in Europe. It It was a tough decade, to say the least. Uh, imagine the, the um, injection of Jewish and Zionist pride uh, that uh, people must have felt when attending those world fair, World's Fairs. By the way, how badly do you want to be in Dubai this week, and why aren't you there knowing you? <laughs> well, uh, we are thinking about going for it. A World Fair runs for six months, so we're thinking uh. of going in, in February. Um, travel restrictions, quarantines, all of that makes it uh, difficult to make any long-term travel plans. Right, but uh, but uh, my hope is to be able to get there before it's done. Look, uh, you know, you know what they say: if you if you want an Israeli haircut during COVID, there's hope to get that done as well. So you know, absolutely, I'm waiting for that as well. But, <laughs> but yeah, as Herzl said, in Tirtu, in so I know, but the way you solve the problem about getting your haircut uh, with, with Israeli with with Israeli instruments, uh, uh, where's that story posted? Where can people read about that? So it, it, it's on YouTube. It's called Follicular Zionism During the Pandemic. <laughs> or, and it's also available on my on my website, which is HerzlCollection.com. I usually, as, as Nakum knows and has alluded to, I usually have my haircut in Israel. 
at uh, my barber is Shmulek, but what do you do during a pandemic when you can't travel to Israel for your haircut? <laughs> and that is reflected in that video, which I hope your listeners will enjoy. Oh, I watched it. It's amazing. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's so funny. Uh, what can I tell you, David? You're you're a tr- you're a true blue Zionist, or I should say, a true blue and white uh, Zionist. Tomorrow is the program, and by the way, we should point out. We just scratched the surface in this conversation, right, David? There's plenty more tomorrow for people to enjoy. There, there is much more. It is really fascinating, and it's really an example of how Zionists use every tool in our arsenal to conceive, to advance, to gain support for, to nurture, to protect the Jewish homelands. And it's an inspiring story, even in the toughest of times that you described. Yeah. Use every tool, and it hopefully inspires us to continue to do the same. If you want to be part of it tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern time, everybody, it's 1 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. They require advanced registration. So go to azm.org, azm.org slash pavilions dash of dash promise, pavilions of promise, azm.org slash pavilions dash of dash promise, 1 p.m. tomorrow. And uh, teachers and educators out there, Get your students to start researching David Matlow's work, both on Herzl, the World's Fair, and everything else. Encourage them when they do the history papers to do papers about things like this, modern Zionism, modern Jewish history. Uh, they'll be they'll be studying things that uh, they will not be able to find anywhere else, that I could tell you. And uh, you could check out David's website, as he described. And uh, and if you see the website, you will, you will be treated to the... Uh, to a, a bare minimum, a bare minimum of what he has in his incredible Herzl collection that we have been privileged uh, to see live and in person. David, good luck tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Please keep us up to date on all these important uh, aspects and issues of modern Jewish history. Thank you so much, and be well. Be well, everybody. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. Oh. 